Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Clayton, and we are men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies and talking about movies, and after a lot of urging, we started a podcast. What did you pick out for us to watch this week, Sean? So, this week, we I picked one of my favorite directors, John Carpenter, in a spooky little ghost story from 1980 called The Fog. Nice. I'd actually never seen this one, so I was really glad you picked it. I didn't love, love, love it, but I liked it well enough. I'd definitely give it at least a mild recommend to people. It's just a fun little 90-minute ghost story. I assume, since you picked it, that you would definitely recommend this one to watch during our first spooky season? Yeah. Um, I really love this movie. Um, I think it's a really creepy ghost story um and it's a very different take on horror um from carpenter who was coming off hot off the heels of halloween so uh i think it's very well done um it has its moments where it's a little hokey but for the most part <laughs> it is uh it was it the is 80s. A, yeah it's it's i think it's a really spooky movie which is yeah I can't believe I've never seen it because, you know, I'm always on the search for a good little ghost story. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know this was a ghost story. And then I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And it's a ghost revenge story, which is even better. Yeah. I mean, if you're a ghost, why not just get revenge on those fuckers? (laughs) (laughs) I love that journey for them. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, their reasoning is good. Their execution is bad. Pun intended. I mean, I think their executions were quite, quite good. But uh, you uh, want to drift into this? And oh, yeah, uh, that didn't work. Fog puns are hard to grasp. Get it? Uh, grasp. <laughs> okay. Spoilers well, why ahead, don't y'all? I think you missed that opportunity. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Sure. Let's let's go ahead and get into it. Um, yeah, just to let everyone know, spoilers ahead for the fog, which is forty two years old. So, I mean, watch it or don't. <laughs> one. Um, all right. So, I'm gonna go into some a little bit of production. Uh, it was filmed in California. Um, I was wondering because it didn't look like it to me. You know, a lot of California stuff has this look, but I. I don't know. I thought it was filmed, you know, on the East Coast or something somewhere. So, cool. No, this one's actually California. Um it's uh it was formed in Northern California. Um Bolinas, uh Inverness, um and they filmed at an actual church for the church, which was the Episcopal Church of the Ascension in Sierra Madre. And then the oh, amazing lighthouse where kab in in antonio bay uh is is the point reyes lighthouse in point reyes california i always love when churches let horror movies film in them i always think that's fascinating (laughs) right i think it's really cool um it's i don't know it's religion is such a huge part of like everyday life that it's nice to see like a church actually you know be part of it (laughs) and i mean then there's those things you know like lords of salem like they were not allowed to film in a church and 
I get that. <laughs> well, then again, if you look at the name Rob Zombie attached to stuff, I feel like people already have a preconceived notion of what's going to come. Especially if you'd seen, I don't know, any of his other movies. Oh, um, I love them so much. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic director, but yeah. he does have... And, and but... Lords of Salem is him as his most restrained. <laughs> um, but I think it, that's what makes it all the more powerful. Uh, yeah, but he does have a very uh, visceral kind of filmmaking experience. So, I, I mean, I would understand why they wouldn't, because if it ended up anything like, you know, how Rain Wilson ends up as a fish boy in a church, I feel like that's going to not bode well. <laughs> well, I mean... We've seen Lords of Salem. We know the scenes that are in churches. I don't think a church would be cool with that, but... Yeah, I still think it's just the new zombie that gets it. Do you just really like when churches let movies film in them, especially when it's in the horror genre? Because I'm just like, what do they pay them for this? (laughs) Yeah, I've always wondered how much they pay them. It's just like... Honestly... It's a public place. <laughs> Most people are allowed in a church. Yeah. You can't tell uh, us we can't bring our cameras. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. We're just going to record all of you. Sorry. Um, have fun. But yeah, this um, this movie is a follow-up to Halloween. Um, and it's the first movie John Carpenter made after Halloween, except for Elvis. So Halloween was in 1978, right? So this Yeah, it came out in very very shortly afterwards. Well, keep in mind, um, it came, It really came out at the beginning of 78, but it been, would have been recorded 77-ish. Um, and also, there, uh, it doesn't feel like now where it takes like three years for every movie to come out, or five years if you're looking at you, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, it feels like it's been like 19 years since the last one came out. Um but yeah, so they very much would move from project to project, and especially because Halloween was an independent film, like it Extremely. wasn't a studio <laughs> film. Like until the Blair Witch Project came out, it was the highest grossing, like independent film ever. Um, until the Blair Witch Project beat it out, and uh, I mean it's an extremely impressive, especially for a debut. Activity beat that out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking at um, you for breaking those records. Yeah, and it, it, it almost always is horror, too. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, this is Carpenter's follow-up, and he and his writing partner, Deborah Hill, uh, rest in peace, Deborah Hill, um, she, they came up with this story um, because they wanted to do something away from the uh, slasher genre of Michael Myers. And the way they came up with the story was, or the idea for the story was they were visiting England and they were at Stonehenge. And while they were at Stonehenge, they saw this like super creepy pulsating fog. Um, This is how they described it in the documentary, by the way, Um, was like a pulsating fog. And then apparently John Carpenter just looked at Deborah Hill and was like, what do you think's in there? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Let's not go see. Let's just write a script. Yeah, exactly. So the easiest way to confront your fears is to write them down. So it's, um, yeah. Um, so the story, like they, like I said, they wanted a ghost story out of this one. 
Um, so it does have a lot of like Lovecraftian and Poe elements. I mean, um, it starts out with a Poe quote, even. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, and so, I mean, it's it feels very much like a Poe story. Like, it's full of, like, betrayal, ghosts, and vengeance, which I think are trademark elements of Poe's not of of post poems and yeah i think it's i think it's so i just i really enjoy it um that was wonderful lovecraft not so much as a person Uh, yeah lovecraft was a crappy person but his ideas were phenomenal and i mean some of them are still scary is he a great person no but it sometimes you can i'm one of those where i try my best to to it depends. Sometimes I can separate the art from the artist, but sometimes it's really hard. With with him, I feel like he was a victim of his own time in some ways, and maybe. some of that, maybe, I don't know. I don't know him for sure, but yeah, he was. He just wasn't a good guy. But yes, his, his work was quite brilliant, too. I do love when they made Lovecraft uh, Country and it was all people of color. <laughs> I was just like, Haha, Lovecraft would be rolling in his <laughs> grave. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably is rolling. Um, yeah, so it was a lot of the crew from Halloween were brought in to kind of play, to work on the film. Um, we've definitely got some returning cast as well. Yeah, I was uh, watching the opening credits, and I was like, man, a lot of these names look, you know, I hadn't seen The Fog before, and I thought, a lot of these names look really familiar. I feel like they worked on Halloween. Oh, they did. A lot of them did. Um, And, I mean, uh, also our cast, we have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis returning with John Carpenter, because he wanted to work Mm -hmm. with her again, and Adrian Barbeau, who was married to Carpenter at the time. And then we have Tom Atkins, who um, most people would know from probably Halloween season, Halloween three season of the witch or the Night one the that Weeks. I haven't seen. Ah. Oh, it's a good one. It's actually in my Twitter title right now. It's Silver Shamrock Royalties. That's the name of the company in Halloween three Silver Shamrock Royalties. All I know is that it somehow involves toys. That's literally all I know about it. And that it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Yeah, evil toy company. Um, and Halloween, like legit Halloween. Um, yeah, and then we've got other returner, uh, returning from uh, Halloween. We've got Charles Cyphers, who played the sheriff in Halloween. He comes back as Dan O'Bannon, which we'll go into why that's a funny name later. Um, and Nancy Loomis, who played Annie in Halloween, is in this one. I thought that was her. Sandy. Mm-hmm. Yep, so she is a frequent at this time, she was a frequent uh, Carpenter collaborator. Like, they did Assault on Precinct 13 together, they did Halloween, they did The Fog, and I think she did she did one, she played a character in Season of the Witch, Halloween 3, um, but I do think after she retired from acting after that. And then uh, George Buck Flowers, the other one I'm other frequent collaborator, but I think this is the one that starts his collaboration. Mm. And then up until his death, I believe he was in pretty much every Carpenter movie after this. 
Oh, and Hal Holbrook. How could I forget Hal Holbrook? Oh, yeah. How could you forget Hal Holbrook? <laughs> um, which also, fun fact, Hal Holbrook, uh, Tom Atkins, and Adrian Barbeau will all star in Creepshow together a few, oh. a few years later. And the one cast member we're really missing out on is Janet Lee. Oh, I was going to let you have that one. Mm. Well, Janet Lee plays a character named Kathy Williams. And for those of you who don't know, she is the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis and original Scream Queen herself, Marion Crane from Psycho. Yep. And oh, it's yeah. It's fun seeing them in a movie together when they were, well, when Jamie Lee Curtis was that young. They've been yeah. in two or three movies together, but we can get into that more later. <laughs> Looking at you, Halloween H20. Yeah. <laughs> or H, or as I like to call it since I was a kid, H20. <laughs> Even though I, I know always, it's not. <laughs> I've always called it Halloween H20. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I also <laughs> thought that's what it was. But yeah, yeah, it's got a pretty big cast, and who they are is not super consequential because they're just. Yeah, I, I mean, the only one I really want to bring up is Adrienne Barboa, Stevie Wayne. She's kind of yeah, a... she is her and Jamie Lee Curtis. Obviously, you recognize Jamie Lee Curtis, but Adrienne Barboa is the only person by the end of watching this twice that I knew what her name was in the movie. Everybody really? else, I'm like, yeah. Everybody else, I'm like, okay. There's that one. There's that one. There's that one. Uh, I reckon. Oh, they say everybody's name enough. I thought. Yeah, I mean Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't even remember how far it is when they finally. She's like, oh Elizabeth, and I'm like, ooh, that's a. Oh, she no, she <laughs> says that, and uh, she says it when she first gets into the car, when uh, when she, she asks said, him, "Are you weird?" I could have sworn she said it after they have sex because he finally he's like, "What's your name?" and she was like, "Elizabeth." Um. I just, I, though it only stood out to me because I thought it was a really odd time. Like, oh, you'd at least get their names so you could be like, oh, Elizabeth, or, you know, whatever that guy would have done in 1979. Oh, grunt, 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 and then pass out. <laughs> I love you, honey. I love you. <laughs> nice Chicago reference. <laughs> But yeah, um, so that that's basically the who's who of the cast. We've got a few others, but um, the only one I really kind of want to mention is uh, John Houseman, but I'll bring him up when we hit the story, which is, I think that's pretty much it for the production for me. Um, yeah. Are you ready to get into the story of it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So we start off with, like you said, um, an Edgar Allan Poe quote of, is all that we see or seem, but a dream within a dream. From Edgar Allan Poe. More, it sounds a lot more hopeful than it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, I've always get... found it both hopeful and creepy. Yeah, it <laughs> is when you really think about it. And I've wondered, dude, ever since I saw The Matrix, I'm just always kind of like one person in my brain is just kind of wondering: <laughs> <laughs> Is this real? What if my dream world's my reality? I don't know. Ah, Aud- and... audible sigh. What even is time? Time is a flat circle. But we get a really haunting and effective opening scene of story time to some little tykes. So, Um, this is my favorite uh, 
like story time, like a ghost story told in movie. I think it's my yeah. favorite one ever. I think it's so well done. Um, and this is why I wanted to bring up uh, John Houseman. He actually was brought back from a reshoot for this. Like it originally was not the beginning of the film, and he wasn't oh, really. It's yeah. such a good opening. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I. That's why I want to bring it out because it's it is a very effective opening. Like there's no effects. It's just a man telling a ghost story around, around a, a campfire. A campfire with kids, and they all look terrified. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it's ri- so. <laughs> it's riveting. Like you cannot look away. And usually those type of scenes, just like, hey, they're telling a little story. It'll get us, you know, tell us some information we need, but whatever. But he's such a good storyteller. <laughs> yeah, he really is a good storyteller. Like, and I don't it know is... if it's, I don't know if it's the script or just him, but I feel like a lot of it was just. I feel like I... some people are good storytellers, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're watching a movie by one Carpenter is a brilliant storyteller. So I mean. Having a brilliant storyteller and a brilliant storyteller's tale is, you know, par for course. <laughs> yeah, very I, true. Love, I love Carpenter. Um, he's one of my favorite directors. I know, and I have so many blind spots on his Uber. Uh, uh, it's sad. <sighs> it hurts me. Um, I've we'll, seen almost everything. There's only a couple I have not. We'll get um, to them. We will get to them. I will watch them. I promise. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, the only ones I don't think I've seen are Elvis, Someone's Watching Me, and Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yeah. I think I've seen everything else. (laughs) Only Elvis movie I've seen is the one that came out this year with Austin Butler. (laughs) Not even a (laughs) real Elvis movie. Like, I've never seen any of Elvis's movies either. Oh, well. I'm young. I can't help it. That does make me feel young. Or old. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I do have a question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Which situation would you rather be in? The fog or the mist? <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Um, I would rather be in the fog. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you can drive away from. The mist is just kind of everywhere. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> if I had to be stuck with what's her name... Um, Oh my God! Religious bitch. This is, um, um, Mrs. Marsha Gay Harden, who's fantastic yes. in it, but Mrs. She's Carver, so they, good. Um, like I, I uh, no, don't think, don't put me down for. <laughs> don't no miss for me. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I'll take the fog. At least you, you know, you, you got a chance in the fog. Yeah, I was gonna say you can kind of try and drive out of it. Yeah. Lucky fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so after this little story where he's telling them kind of like the ghost story of the town, uh, we kind of get a small intro to the radio station. And can I say, I love how the station plays into the sound of the movie so much. Everyone oh, is yeah. constantly listening to this. So it's just like, she's talking and then it's just on in the background and everybody's just listening to it. I love it. I love when movies do like little stuff like that to really ground the story and when things are happening at the same time and love it. Yeah, I, I do too. I don't utilize that. Well, people don't listen to the radio as much anymore. I think back then, like especially in this town, like you could tell it's a small town and 
it's very much like she is the radio station. She's the only one to listen to. Like, I'm sure they either watch TV and they wouldn't watch TV till nighttime anyway, usually, or they'd listen to the radio. And in this case, she's the radio. And by the end of the movie, I literally wrote down in my notes at one point, like, is she like Delilah for this town or whatever? Because you know, there's that time period where everyone listened to Delilah at a certain time of night. Just Delilah was always on. And they're always listening to her, and I'm like, this town is kind of in the middle of nowhere, but not so much that you wouldn't think they would have other radio stations, but... No, I mean, know, but it didn't... is kind of... It feels kind of isolated. Like, it's not completely isolated, but it does feel like it is a town on the beach, like, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And plus, like, topographical features might not allow for other... uh other radios like signals to get through right yeah i i i agree with you entirely though i think the radio station is a really cool addition and it's one of the things i like about this movie is i like the fact that uh stevie doesn't really see what's going on until the end like yeah she just hears everything she'll like start a song and then like it'll go through the cast and you'll see and it just is playing so it's like oh you know this is happening right now and a lot of movies you don't necessarily know when things are happening or the time frame and this one is very specific because it's like you know between midnight to one and also just okay they're all listening to the song that she just put on all this is what all the characters are experiencing right now in the moment during this like two day time span. And uh, so we get a very short intro to the radio station. And then we have this church scene that you can talk about before things start to go weird. Yeah. So we get a John Carpenter cameo, which John Carpenter is the man who is working there. Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And we, are introduced to Hal Holbrook's uh, priest, um, Father Malone, who is a drunkard. Like, he's clearly a drunkard. He's, you know, drinking in every scene. He's he's kind of a troubled man, and he becomes more troubled once at once midnight hits and a piece of wall falls out, and he discovers the diary of his ancestor, who uh, did some very naughty things. Naughty! Naughty! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Naughty words. Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm sorry for distracting you with Nicole Kidman. (laughs) Yes, so he he discovers the diary saying... um, basically that six people or six founders of the town had actually uh, murdered an entire ship full of lepers and stole their gold. Um, And it was a man, a rich man who ended up with leprosy and was trying to found a, uh, a leper colony off of the coast of where they were at. And so they lit a, a fake fire um, to dash well, a real the... fire, but in the back 
Oh, real fire. Yeah, yeah, a real yes. fire, but not at the spot where they needed it. So they yes, were drawn to, to that spot. Crash. And it dashed itself upon the rocks and sunk. And nobody survived. And they used the gold to help found the town. I always wondered how they got the gold up from... <laughs> Like, they just go diving back in the 1800s and pull up all this gold. And yeah. gold's heavy. Like, how did they do that? I mean, I'm I sure guess, you know... It, do it a piece at a time. I mean, I guess that's, you know, a lot of incentive. You know, right. Gold! And, and plus, if it was dashed upon the rocks, like, it wouldn't be too far out to sea. So it shouldn't be that deep of a deep of a dive but if it's where a ship gets dashed upon the rocks would you want to be out there in rowboats and like little people i don't know it's not a plot hole but i did wonder (laughs) (laughs) yes um or another way i could have i kind of took it but i'm not sure if they ever really explain it um they were going to be get paid to take to save the people or to let them have the leper colony below. So maybe oh, they got right. paid before it, and then they just were like, here, crash. Classic. Good old rope-a-dope. Yep, exactly. And so um, he's all... No, he's ahead, just sorry. stressing, and uh, is that when... Um, is he by himself when he starts reading that? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it's not until later that What's-Her-Faces come in. And yes. then we see none other than Jamie Lee Curtis herself hitchhiking, which I believe she also does in another film that I have not seen. Yeah. Um, well, actually, first you see the town go crazy, then you see Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, uh, yeah. Stuff. A lot of things just go weird. Stuff's exploding. Cars are going off. They're... It's a lot of stuff for a long sequence all over town. Shit's just going weird. Because instead of being malevolent, the ghosts are just feeling their Wheaties for a night. They're what? (laughs) You've never heard that term? Feeling their Wheaties? (laughs) No. I I mean, I've heard of feel my oats, but I've never heard of feel my Wheaties. Oh. I mean, kind of same thing. Like if my cat's uh, going crazy and running all around, like oh, he's just feeling his Wheaties. Like <laughs> I got a like... good, like got a good breakfast and Wheaties, and has a lot of energy and just wants to go berserk. Oh, anyway, I, I was literally just like, excuse me. <laughs> uh, that was the funniest thing I saw on Twitter all week, pretty much. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <Aka>, me. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so stuff goes weird and we see Jamie Lee Curtis hitchhiking looking much more normal than she did in Halloween. I mean, as she normal was normal as... in Halloween. What you they had her about? dressed like a librarian. No, she was dressed like a teenager in 1977. Ugh. Like, uh, I mean, a more sexually repressed kind of goody girl one. But yeah, she was... I never took it as she was like dressed like a librarian she was just dressed how they dressed back then like when i think of the seven like she would have looked super conservative compared to like the brady punch it's not a thing that takes me out of halloween but i don't know i did like seeing her be um well and then keep in mind we are also seeing her in one day of her life 
Like, we don't know how she dressed earlier than that. Like, maybe she was just having a laundry day. She was maybe. Like, <laughs> me, I'm going to wear the turtleneck today. I hate it when they make a movie of me on laundry day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. What an awful day. And she gets picked up by a hitchhiker, or she is a hitchhiker that gets picked up and has a cute little exchange with the guy that picks her up. And I couldn't tell you even who he was. What is his name? Oh, that's Tom Atkins. He's from uh, Halloween 3, which you haven't seen. So Right. Um, <laughs> he's also from Night of the Creeps, and he's really great in that. I haven't like, seen that either. He's, he, you've never seen Night of the Creeps? Mm-mm. Oh, that one's fun. Like, it's so 80s, it hurts. But, like, he is... He's horror royalty, 150%. Okay, okay. Like, if you watch it for anything... If you want me to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I probably will. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they have a... I I actually really like their little meet-cute. I think it's... I think it's so cute. The first thing she said, like, she's just like, can I ask you a question? And he's like, sure. And she's like, are you weird? He's like, Yes. Yes, I am weird. She's just <laughs> like, thank God. Thank God. So boring. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you really like both of them with very little um, yeah, it dialogue just kind of or screen it, time. It's very efficient. It gives, it gives you a little bit of, of something into the both of them. Like, he's, uh, he's kind of a laid-back, funny guy, and she's, you know, she's you know, a woman hitchhiking her way across the United States. Like back when it was got still it. relatively safe to do that. Yeah, exactly. He only wanted to marry her by the time they reached what was it like? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't Vegas know. Vegas or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins, um, who have their little their their little meat cute. And then uh we are still kind of showing back with the town a little bit um, where the spooky stuff's happening. And then this is when we get the... Uh, really, the biggest... To... One of the the first big set piece of the film. Yeah. There's so... this little massacre on a boat. Mm-hmm. And it's classic screenplay. The fog shows up at 20 minutes flat to end act one at 20 minutes in a movie is generally when something happens to affect the story and i will say i was not expecting this it's a surprisingly scary sequence like i thought it would be super cheesy but it was really effective no it's it's really well done uh one of the things i really love about carpenter and Dean Cundy, the cinematographer, is they both like to play with shadow a lot. Oh, it's and so effective in this. One of the things I really love about this movie is that the fog doesn't just feel like fog. It feels like its own character. Mm-hmm. Like the fog feels tangible and in ways that I've never seen fog look tangible before. And it's right. it, it, it's it's so creepy and quite scary. Um also, if I had a giant clipper ship come out of nowhere, I probably would shy myself. Not gonna yes. lie. Yes, I'll, I'll end this thing, you know, it was just like, uh, those X-Files episodes, fucking Bermuda Triangle, like, this never ends well. Just lock yourself somewhere. Don't go... People, people are just too fucking curious in horror movies. I get it, but 
Well, to be honest, they weren't even curious. They were just like, fog, there's, there's no fog bank. Hey, look, a fog bank. <laughs> and then yeah. the next thing they know, there's a giant clipper ship right next to them. And, and then, then there's there's dead then things. There's, there's dead things revenants the on board. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're you. so creepy looking. They're so creepy looking in the fog, and I like that they like have I know what you did last summer hooks and also swords and things because you know they were fishermen and also it just you, I like that you they, were quoting. Sorry, I just need to go back. You were quoting the two towers, right? <coughs> I was uh, paraphrasing the two towers. Okay, yeah, okay, just making sure. <laughs> like I got the reference, but I wanted to make sure I was at the there's, right reference. There's dead things. There's dead things in the water. Yes. And then Frodo okay. like dives face first into the water because and then, Frodo... <laughs> yeah, because Frodo can't spend five minutes in that movie without being in peril. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it. Those are the greatest, some of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> Stop, <not> sure. <laughs> well, I mean, they're definitely hot, really high up there, but um, I mean, they're literally some of the greatest movies ever made. All three of them. <laughs> I'm yes. not. I'm not saying anything bad on them. I'm just saying there are movies. I think it might be slightly better, but it's very few. But and those like, might be just for like personal preference, as opposed to <laughs> right, like you know, Titanic or um. What's that Titanic? Movie that ever... <laughs> what's are you... what's that movie that everybody says is like the best movie ever? Um. Citizen Kane. Oh, you're talking Citizen Kane? I've Citizen never Kane seen it. Good. I can't believe I'm admitting this on recording, but I've never seen Citizen Kane. But I did watch Mank <laughs> about yeah, the writing of Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, but that's like watching New Moon and saying you read Twilight. Like, you didn't. <laughs> oh boy, Twilight. Yeah. Uh, let's talk uh, about that uh, uh, in a, another time. <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, boat killing. Scary. People die. Yeah, and it's very chilling. It's very effective. Um, and the thought, like I said, the revenants in it. Another thing, I really love the revenants, the ghosts. Um, like, they also feel somehow otherworldly and. Like I love their design. Ethereal at the same time. Like they look scary. And I still think it's one of my favorite ghost designs I've ever seen. Yeah, and they don't look like ghosts. They're not see-through. They don't try to do anything stupid like that. Not that see-through ghosts can't work, but I mean it's very much people in costumes surrounded by fog, but oh it is effective. Like, they look like lepers that have been in the sea for a long time coming back for revenge. You do not want this thing coming after you. Well, they don't look like lepers. They just look like people who died in the sea. Well, I say they look like lepers because you can can see the bandages and stuff on them in some of the shots through the fog. Okay, I'll give you that. Yes. That's what I meant by, you know, lepers because they would be wrapped up with bandages. And you can see that of what you can see of them. But is there anything else you wanted to talk about in that sequence particularly or move along through the story? 
Nope. Um, I mean, that was, we've talked about pretty much the best part of it. Yeah. Like, it's chilling, it's effective, and it's very well done. Yeah. I think it's you should a just very like, scary situation. Even if you don't watch the movie, just, like, look up, like, boat scene from The Fog. It's probably somewhere online. It's great. And then Jamie Lee Curtis and what's his name that I already forgot? Tom Atkins or Nick Castle's <laughs> the character. Tom Atkins <laughs> are making Boom Boom. Is that well, what they've, already, boom boom? they've already made Boom Boom. <laughs> and <laughs> because I am in my 30s and that is what sexual relations are to me. Make Boom Boom. <laughs> and so they come for I do love that I really do think that's when he asks what her name is and they're having another little cute moment it's so gross they're so cute and the fog people come and knock on the door and what is with this movie like people would stay alive if they weren't just opening the door without like millennials would 100% survive this movie they don't answer the phone if they're not expecting a call we sure as hell don't answer the door if we're not expecting someone that just texted us. We're here with a lot of prior authorization. <laughs> well, keep in mind, this is also a very different time in in like I know I was human just history. Like, like we this was this was considered a more trusting time. Like you were, most people could keep their doors unlocked without fear of things, or you, you know, it was considered you know. And especially a small town like this, like I don't you think know. we do it out of fear. I just think we just don't like people, and we all have social anxiety. <laughs> I, I think that's the main thing fear. behind it now. <laughs> and I also just kind of love that whenever the ghosts are around, stuff gets wonky, electricity gets weird, and they also just keep shattering clocks. <laughs> well, they're all on the witching hour. Yeah, and the I don't think they're coming for them specifically. I think it's more of he lives on the beach, so he'd be the closest to the water. Yeah, I did have a question for you since you are more familiar with this, and this was my first two times watching it. Mm-hmm. I never did find it really clear. Like obviously, later on, you find they need to take six, and I felt like in a typical story like this, it would be the six people that were descendants of them. But in this, it almost seemed like they were attacking random people. Because, like, were all those people on the boat direct descendants of this original six? Uh, To be honest, I don't know. Um, It was just the one thing that never seemed clear. It was like, well, for me... this is Sorry, this is just the one thing that uh, later on I was just kind of had a thought that it almost feels like two separate movies but it seems like a ghost story where they're just randomly like coming out and raging a hundred years later and it seemed like another script was oh they're coming after the descendants and we need to figure out who the descendants are because it seemed like they were just kind of attacking at will not just the oh they're going to take six that they try to have in the script. I don't know if you feel like that. It just, it never really gelled together for me. You're actually, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Um, so she, so in, you're actually kind of describing what the sequel does. 
um, or what the remake does, which is awful. I was just like, wait, there's a there's a sequel as well. I knew there was Um, a remake. Sorry, I meant the remake. Um, Selma Blair is the only redeeming factor of that movie. Oh, Selma Um, Blair. I know, I love Selma Blair, but even, even I mean, she tries her best. Um, uh, but in the sequel, they are targeting, like, descendants of them. Um, and in this one, I don't think so. I think it's just six. Like, they say it from the beginning, six must die. Like, that's what it says on, on, on the piece of wood that, you know, we'll bring that up in a minute. But it's, I think it's scarier because it's any six. Like, if you get caught by them, you're going to mm. die. And, like, while it's it's not... I do think that is scarier that it's just any six. Because it, like it doesn't have to be, like... In. The explanation seems like it's trying to point toward, oh, it's six descendants. But at that point, like, people forget, like, I don't know who my descendants are a few generations back. Um Right, and exactly. obviously nobody knows except the people who have that journal, unless people are like, oh, my great grandfather was the founding father of this shithole little fishing village. But yeah, I don't know. And that, it just and again, that's what it makes it didn't, it just didn't one hundred percent gel together for me because I again, this is just being nitpicky, but those aren't things I feel like I should have been thinking about while I was watching it. And no, I was, and I, like, actively. I get where you're coming from. <laughs> and I get where you're coming from. I think a lesser movie really would, like you said, kind of say, like, spell it out for you. Um, but I like that it's a, a mystery in this. It's not completely, like, it just, it doesn't spell it out for you. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need everything spelled out for me. Like, generally, when you trust your audience, you get, it's a much more, um, a much better movie experience and I think uh, I uh, the way I took it was that they are going to take six people the six people are in in essentially going to be play are six people are to be taken for the six people that planned it mm. um, is it fair no I don't think so. I think um, I just almost would, and this isn't fair to the movie. I would have almost rather them not mention like the six people or the stuff with the ancestors, just so it wouldn't have had like, wait, which six are related or right? It almost just distracts from the pure cosmic horror of these people just coming back for revenge on this town that failed them. Exactly. Well, and you just brought it up. It's it is a very Lovecraftian storyline like Lovecraft a lot of his stuff was uh, being confronted by powers that you don't know and you cannot comprehend and what happens to normal people when you when you confront that power and that was the same way as this one uh like I think the the fog and is a, a completely just unstoppable force and it makes but yeah I, um, I do think that the I like the Lovecraftian elements like it being confronted by a cosmic power that you can't quite comprehend and while this one isn't cosmic because it's not from out there it's still supernatural 
which is even so i mean these are like i don't think they're planning for for who they're just planning six six souls for the will be taken for the six souls that plan this and i think that's even scarier because you don't have to be involved to get it i just love that they're so conservative like six souls like let's kill this whole town Um, if I remember right, that's more where the the movie goes, like the remake. Um, oh, it's like, like I they... want to watch it, but I don't. I've heard it so 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 bad ever since oh, it came it's out. So awful! It's just not a good movie. But some of the things you're mentioning, I'm like, well, that sounds like a good idea for a remake. But well, yeah, Ooh. but it's so imagine the like storyline of this and then mix it with like teeny bopper pg-13 horror oh no thank you yeah so it's like why would you make me think of that yeah i mean like tom welling and maggie grace are the leads of it oh my god remember when maggie grace was the thing yeah well she i mean she's still in stuff but i mean like it's when they were really trying to make her a thing and i I like maggie grace um but uh, she's just she's so bland in it and selma blair plays stevie wayne which is the one good thing i remember about that movie went and saw it in theaters um, because i love this movie and i was like the one good thing i remember was selma blair like and I mean, Tom Welling is always great, but like <laughs> Selma Blair was just uh, she was Selma she was a good is nice to look at. Yes, uh, Selma Selma Blair was my favorite, the only part of the movie I really loved. So, and they they do a lot of weird, like there's more supernatural stuff that's kind of like, eh, and like you know, it, it feels very like you know, like PG thirteen teen oriented, you know supernatural movie like dime a dozen at 2005 or whenever it was yeah i think it is 2005 (laughs) anyway bringing it back to this yeah good one film (laughs) (laughs) so uh the next morning uh stevie wayne is in bed and she's a single mother so her son is out fishing and he finds a gold coin that turns into a piece of wood that says Dane and brings it to his mom. And the she'll end up taking that with her to work. Why did she take it to work? I don't understand that. And we know from the opening story and other various things, the ship that went down was called the Elizabeth Dane. Um, yeah. And I just think, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know. I I feel like she was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then just, like, he gave it to her, so maybe she was going to put it up. Like, oh, cool. Like, it would be cool to put on your wall. Like, yeah. So, I mean, like, maybe she was just going to, like, put it up. I, I That was what I took out of it. Like, my my nephews and nieces used to give me stuff when I was a kid, and I, or when I, when they were younger, and... I would, I still have it, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's... you were so much nicer than me. <laughs> yeah, um, basically the kid just finds the wood and then before the events go down with the wood, we see a brief setup for this town event happening that night. It's been a hundred years since they made the township after they fucked over these 
poor leprous sailors. And it's just a little setup scene. It's not really anything eventful, but it's more Janet Lee, so that's fun. Yeah. So and we do meet... then oh, oh, I was gonna say we didn't really scene. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we didn't really go into Janet Lee. Um this is basically when she's introduced. Uh, but Janet Lee plays like the townsperson or like a townsperson who's funding or, or like spearheading the centennial event. And Nancy Loomis plays her assistant who's very sarcastic and like, <laughs> like I they have a very fun relationship. <laughs> there was a point I even wondered, I'm like, are they like lesbian lovers that are on the verge of breaking up? But one of uh, Janet Lee's hu- one of her husbands Janet Lee's husband is one of the people that was on this missing boat that everyone got murdered on as well, which is a plot beat that is just there. And she doesn't seem to care very much. <laughs> well, she's just like, I, see, I didn't take it as she didn't care. I think she, she reminds me of like, uh, like back then, I feel like women a lot more would push everything down in order to get stuff done so i feel like she was just like i have to get this done like i planned this whole thing like me breaking down right now isn't going to help anything i'm just gonna finish what i need to do and then i can go home and then you know just get whatever and just keep going and i think that was was like very much weekend wedding yeah (laughs) and she like so that and that's one of the reasons i i like the character of of kathy is like she's she's kind of like she is she's kind of sad and she is very much like the little old lady who just wants to get everything done right and you know like not that old she was middle aged but i mean she's you know she's she's very much trying to you know she wants everything to go perfect she wants everything to go right she like the she looked at the statue and she's like, not bad. <laughs> I was really thinking it wasn't going to be good. And, you know, like, I do love just some of their little weird interactions. That, like, yeah, to do with like, anything, but just, just them talking about the statue. It was so funny. At least they're I, kind I of, found it funny. Oh, I do too. And it's kind of like, a, it's almost like a buddy routine. And that's one of the reasons I like it is it feels like a buddy routine. Like it's, she's with, she and, uh, uh, Sandy, Nancy Loomis's character, they have like a nice little, like, you know, sarcastic relationship where Sandy yeah. says like something it's sarcastic. Like, it's like the Devil Wears Prada <laughs> before the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, it's very exactly. Much like, I don't like that, that little vibe. Although, and... well, I don't know because I don't feel like, she, I don't feel like uh, Janet Lee's character is like that. I think Janet Lee's character is like completely straight laced for the most point. And I feel <laughs> that Sandy is very much not. So she makes fun of her for it. So it's just like Sandy <laughs> being like, uh huh, whatever you say. And she's know, just what like, did she say? she's like, you're the only one that can make like, yes, ma'am, sound like fuck you. And she's like, yes, yes ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So she's just—I uh, love their little relationship. I think it's a fun little like—it's a fun little buddy relationship in this movie. Um, but yeah, so that's when we're introduced to her, uh, Sandy. We had seen for just a second earlier, but um, that's when we're introduced to the two of them and their little, their fun little caustic but fun, <laughs> caustic but fr- but caring friendship. And 
uh, it, like I said, setting up for the centennial event, and uh, Nick and Elizabeth go to look for uh, the boat that was, you know, attacked think, by the ghosts. I think this scene is really interesting because this scene and the one where Janet Lee goes to see the priest are playing out simultaneously. So, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her boyfriend, that yet again, I forgot his name, go out to I'm see... <laughs> Stop trying to make it happen. I'm bad with names. So, they go out to sea in another boat to find the missing dudes because they're friends and... Well, not her, because she's a hitchhiker. And <laughs> she goes... They go out there and are trying to find them, and it's a, another fantastic sequence. It's very unsettling. And it's taking place and going back and forth with Janet Lee going to see the priest, and he unveils the journal and tells them all the things that uh, he has found out about it and is confessing to them. And both of them together, it is just so tense and so unsettling and make you really realize, like, oh, something's really wrong here. And I just think it's brilliant. It is brilliant filmmaking. Love it. No, no. It is. Yep. And it's all done just between Hal Holbrook and Janet Lee talking, which I think is, I love, I, I just love actors. I think being able to tell such a, such insane information and being able to make it, you know, both scary and heartfelt is yeah make them feel like so real impressive. people in an all in a completely unreal situation and just being on the imp- on the other half of the scene the empty boat and just all the weird things that are wrong like this boat is dry but it seems like it's been underwater there's rust everywhere and they're just you know talking and stuff and then there's the body jump scare that I usually do not approve of jump scares but it got me. It was good. Oh, see, the one thing I love about it is the misdirect. Like, you, in that, in that little scene where Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins. Also, he has a wonderful monologue in this yes. scene. I'm I was such, a say... sucker for mo- such a sucker for a good monologue. And this movie has a nice handful of relatively good monologues. I greatly yep. appreciated them. Oh, yeah, and he is telling Elizabeth the story of when his dad found a gold coin and um, goes, to, when he finishes it, The there had been a, a cupboard or a locker opening and it just falls open and stuff flies out of it. And she's just like, I think I'll go to Vancouver now. And then a body just <laughs> drapes over her and Jamie Lee gives her iconic <laughs> scream. And, you know, you know, she's just like, nope. This is that that can't blame her. Like that'd be effed up, especially once you see what happened to his eyes. What happened to his eyes? I know. <laughs> oh my god, what happened to her eyes? <laughs> and uh, the priest reveals pretty much what we've already told, but he reveals that to Janet Lee. It is like this thing you're doing tonight. Not cool. We're celebrating murder, essentially. And so people are pretty much starting to get in on what's going on one by one, you know, little by little. And we get back to Stevie. Is her name Stevie? Yeah, Stevie. Um, 
And all I could think about during this scene, I love a sequence that can just go for a minute. And we see her checking the mail and she has to go down this ridiculous flight of stairs to get to the lighthouse. And I was just thinking like in any sort of inclement weather, this would be a nightmare. And she has to go down carrying all this stuff. And I mean, it's a lot of stairs. And then when she gets to the lighthouse, she has to go up another set of stairs. Yeah. And I was just like, if I had to traverse these stairs every single shift, my ass and legs would be amazing. Yeah. But, at what, gonna... co- but like, at what cost? <laughs> I was going to say, but I mean, it, it might be worth the cost. Her butt is pretty tight in this movie. Um you know, in those pants, you know, bell bottoms as much and as they'll tell you. I was so sorry. <laughs> I was feeling so sorry for her, just like for filming. Cause I'm like, she really did have to like trek up and down these stairs at least a few times for like the coverage. <laughs> yeah, it's in the documentary. She said it was like 300 and something stairs. Oh my um, god. Actually, I so ever since I was a kid, my dream has been to live in a lighthouse. So I totally would do this. I'm totally okay with it. Oh, you Plus, need to I watch the. You still haven't watched the lighthouse. Stuff. You need to watch the lighthouse and then tell me if you still want to live in a lighthouse. I'm right. Well, I, I don't want to live in a lighthouse with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. I just want to live by myself. <laughs> I was like, what if it was just one of them? <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, Robert Pattinson. Uh, <laughs> like, I love Willem Dafoe, and it would probably be a lot of fun. But like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i love lighthouses i think they're so cool so beautiful i actually looked into them they're very expensive <laughs> yes they are <laughs> um well, just get into a wes anderson movie and maybe you'll get to like pretend live in a lighthouse for a few months oh i'm not whimsical enough for a wes anderson movie <laughs> i mean like Leah Sado was in a Wes Anderson movie, and I do not find her a whimsical person. So I think you've got yeah. a shot. I mean, <laughs> if there's one person who's playing the straight man in it, I can totally do it. Me and Ray Fiennes, I could see it. Yeah, Ray Fiennes. He's so he's so whimsical in Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, I know. Oh, That's and... what I'm saying. He would be the my foil, <laughs> or I would be his foil remember that piece of wood that for whatever reason she carried to work and down those 300 stairs and up however many more stairs to get up into her lighthouse DJ (laughs) workshop and she sits on a thing of cassette tapes that you know you young folks won't know what they are they're like before digital music and before CDs but like after records Uh, anyway she lays this wood on there and it starts just leaking water it looks like water, but it's flammable. So I did you very forget what the? Sorry, wait, one one second, one second. Did you forget the word tape? What did I say? Like you said before CDs, but after record. No, <laughs> I didn't. Tape I said, cassette. I said cassette tape at the beginning, and oh, then okay, it was like, okay. which, I, I was like, which came before digital music and before CDs, but after okay. records. I must have got lost because all I heard was that. And I was like, "Did you forget what a tape cassette is?" Like, oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was gonna say. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I just needed the. <laughs> I need a clarification. When I was little, this is really embarrassing. Um, I would record these little tapes of me reading like Hardy Boy and Nancy Drew books, 
I was like making Aww. my own audiobooks. I don't even know why. But I think that's I cute. Didn't. That's not. <laughs> that's oh, that's incredibly. Sweet. And that is why I'm single. But anyway, this piece of wood. Yes, that exact light, reason. Lights on. Yes, that is. That is the only reason. Uh, just catches on fire and the most random fire this side of Jennifer's body. And everyone in movies always knows exactly where their fire extinguisher is. And I'm like, I have no idea where a fire extinguisher is in this house. Like, I'm sure we have one, but... Well, keep in mind, she also works around electronic equipment. Like, so she's probably used to having had a fire every once in a while. Because she knows how to use a fire extinguisher. Like, it's not like she's questioning it. Yeah, she's not reading the directions. Like She's just like... (laughs) like. Not that it's hard. It's like spray and pull. Please, you know. What? Like it's hard? Yeah, exactly. Um, Her kid probably she... does start a lot of fires. He seems annoying. Adorable. Yeah. I don't know. Both. I, it's, I can't He's both. He's definitely both. He's kind of both. Even she said it. She's like, you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> but I love you anyway. Um, but yeah, so he... Um, also, did you notice what it said on it? On the wood, yeah, it said, six so I, must die. I didn't see that. The only thing I thought saw it say on the wood was just the Dane. I didn't see that it changed to no. six must die. So it, yeah, once it leaked, when she looks back at it, it says six must die, and then it burst into flame. Oh, well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So it, next time, if you ever watch it again, um, take keep a look for that. I would watch it again. It wasn't like my favorite, but I would watch it again. I do, yeah. you know, I love and those stories. This is and... one that I really think it it grows on you, especially if you watch it on like a really dark, creepy night. Like, it's... yeah, I was watching. I watched it late at night, and then again this afternoon because I was so tired last night. I watched like half of it, and then finished it today, and then watched it again. But if it was the right circumstances of night I think I would have really really loved it maybe not like loved 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 it but I think I would have enjoyed it more right because there's just some nights that are really good to watch on a certain night yeah like, this there is a really good that like... I want to watch the innkeepers there's nights that I want to watch the black coat's daughter um February February Uh, basically if it's just really 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 fucking cold I'm like well Black Coat's daughter or if it's really hot in the summer and I'm like I want to feel cold Black Coat's daughter (laughs) yes we'll cover that one eventually Uh, but yeah it's it it does say six must die so that's it's why it bursts into flames. There is a supernatural element. I can't element believe I missed that. Well, I mean, obviously it was a supernatural fire, but I didn't, I can't believe I missed the uh, Six Must Die. Mm-hmm. I will say, I love her sexy radio voice. If you had a radio station like at night, what would your sexy radio voice sound like? Ooh. Um, good evening, and welcome back to. KB and Antonio Bay, you're sitting here with me, Sean, on this cold, dark, foggy night, and we're listening to some classical music. Okay. Stick with me, okay. and I'll, oh, it's not over yet. Mm-hmm. Stick, stick with me, and I'll get you through the long, dark, cold, 
and hopefully into something else a little bit more long and dark and warm. Maybe Antonio B. <laughs> Good God, cut that out. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, so, well, yeah. So if I was a late night radio talk show host, I think it would be something like. <laughs> this is gonna be so bad. Uh, and you're here with Clayton on XMRY, and I'm glad you turned me on, and I'll turn you on. Now here's some smooth jazz for the next five minutes. <laughs> anyway. Just five minutes exactly? Five minutes exactly? Well, Are you sure before, be like... before there's commercials, you know. <laughs> you have five minutes exactly. I don't care if this song is four minutes and 27 seconds. I'll start another one and stop it. <laughs> no. We've got to have the ads. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry for that, um, people. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is why we don't have radio shows. Uh, <laughs> um, We're on a so, podcast. We can just talk. Yeah. Uh, I will say, you know how you always get really annoyed in, let's say, The Strangers about characters making dumb choices. And I'm like, they're not <sighs> making dumb choices because it oh. doesn't bother me. But I thought a lot of characters made really dumb choices in this movie, and it did bother me. <laughs> well, I it depends. Which ones are you talking about? Um, the nanny opening the door. Well, but keep in mind, like like I said, this was a different time. Like she's she been posting out on the radio all night, like shit's happening. Get away from the fog. Like all this stuff. Get the sheriff. Well, but the radio, the the, the power, the power is out. did go out. I did so appreciate like, and the then, dramatic snapping of the power lines. The fog swooped up toward the. T- <laughs> yeah, so it destroyed the power lines and cut the phones. So, like, so and that's but, why Stevie has to run down and restart her generator. So she's not down there talking. When you about are it yet. when you are babysitting someone else's small child. And obviously, this is late at night, between 12 and 1 a.m., and somebody just comes and knocks. Don't let them in. You're an old lady with a little kid. Like, you don't need to let them in. Agreed. Stupid. But And <laughs> Jamie I, Lee Curtis, like, she was hitchhiking through. She doesn't need to keep, st- like, sticking around for this. Like, is that going to stick that good? Uh, I don't know. I, see, I just took it as, like, She's kind of involved now. Like, she's the one that helped find the bodies. Like, unfortunately, she's part of the story. Like, if she just left, like, I don't think she's... I I think it's more of a, like, she's involved. And by the time she gets back and they go through the autopsy, like, we're at the finale. Like, or we're at the the climax of a piece. Like, she doesn't have time to leave. We'll say the autopsy scene the dead body getting up to write on the floor rather than, like, attack. <laughs> I think it's so funny. <laughs> no, see, no, but the thing was, is it's it's another supernatural occurrence, but he says three, so he's right, three are down, three more to go. 
Like I, it's I get not... that, but like you know, they had this whole suspenseful sequence of one of those that's just like, okay, you would hear that behind you, but okay, it's a movie of this what? corpse getting up while she's standing there and walking over, and then she's like, ah, and you think he's talking to her or attacking her, but he has just taken his little weapon and written three in the floor and has collapsed. And like that would have been a really nice time for a kill. But I mean, I guess that was a subversion. So yeah, you know. exactly. It's and it's that's exactly what it is. It's a jump scare. Also, I like the fact that the coroner's name is Doctor Fibes, <laughs> which is a reference to the Vincent Price series of films, which if you've no, never seen, are so I have, good. I have not seen any of the Doctor Fibes movies, oh, ne- but they're part of the Hammer horror string that he was in. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, really good. He plays a like genius doctor whose wife well, I mean, is it's, like it's Vincent Price. Yeah, he's he's just so good in them. I I would highly suggest him. And actually, a Bond girl is in them. Ooh, plays which his, one? Uh, she was in from our. Uh, uh, oh my god. I can't think. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. Wow. I was like going through Roger Moore. Uh, she's Naomi, the Caroline Monroe. Oh. The one with the helicopter. Yes. So she is his wife in it, and she was killed in a botched surgery. So he takes revenge on the doctors who did it. It's fair. In very gruesome ways. Sweet. That actually sounds awesome. It is. It's I, very it's it's very well done. Hundred percent pro- would watch. <laughs> Do you think Jamie Lee Curtis is like stage five clinger in this? No. I know like we already talked a little bit about like so she's just in it, but I feel like I, I mean, even she she just met this guy and like they're walking and she's got her arm around him and all this stuff, and I'm like he picked you up in a car like two hours ago. Are you just trying to be a hobosexual and he's cute and he likes you and he got a house? Um, I don't no, know. I think I wasn't in the eighties. I just think she's, she's having fun. He's a fun guy. He's nice. Like they had a good time. Like she can stick around for a little bit. Like, especially time. because they found some dead bodies, you know, well, but like even before that, I think I just mean like she's having fun with him. Like he's he's a nice guy. They had a good time. Like could something maybe something could come out of it. And she ends up embroiled in this like revenge plot from ghosts. And they did have really good chemistry at the beginning, but I feel yeah. like the rest of the movie I wasn't getting that vibe from them, so well, it just so, it felt more. But I mean, it's no longer the meat cute. Now it's survival mode. Like they know something is going on. Like they've watched, but you know, still people being, die. Like, they're still being like lovey dovey with each other, which I don't know. It just feels off to me. But it's just me. I just I'm weird about relationship stuff because I don't have one. <laughs> it's been so yeah. long. <laughs> Um, what I do love is every single landscape shot in this film because gore just oh yeah that DP is fantastic what was his name again 
Dean 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 Cundy. Yes. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. And I know I've mentioned the CW town, like the CW before, I think, but it's such a little CW town event. Like, it fit right in the Vampire Diaries. Like, let's have our 100 year anniversary and unveil this statue, and everybody will have candles. And of course, it's the night when the ghosts of the past are going to attack because that's what happened in CW towns. And this. Maybe the CW got their idea for their shows from the fog. I don't know. You can't prove yeah. it didn't. Yeah, I mean you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're. I mean, I you, I can't prove you wrong. Can't prove you right either. But <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. Sorry, <laughs> to hear CW. Um, <laughs> sorry, I forgot to mention one thing. Uh, the corner we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to tell you that's another uh, that's another repeat uh, Carpenter collaborator. He is one of the leads in Assault on Precinct Thirteen. And Darwin Johnson. Oh, <laughs> so are you just gonna make me have like a Carpenter month at some yeah, point? <laughs> we're gonna need it's gonna be have to be a couple months, bro. Um, it's I think you're underestimating on... my ambition. <laughs> yeah, well, if it's for the podcast, you'll do it. Oh, of course. Um, honestly, it's so good. Um, uh, I just really, really like. It's probably it, It's a brutal film, and in a lot of ways, it might be his best film. But I'm. We're not talking about that one today. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm not going into it. Um, I was just like, hot take. Yeah, well, I mean, his best film to me is The Thing. I think that is his end-all-be-all classic best movie. Um, But I do think Assault on Precinct 13 might, in some ways, be technically better. uh, It depends. Like I said, uh, pretty maybe a hot take, but it is a very, (laughs) very brilliant movie. Um, Most impact, Halloween. Most favorite. I, I mean, personal best. Uh, the thing. Technically best. Assault on Precinct Thirteen. You could have like different categories of best. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Like I think that. Speak uh, I, your own truth, Sean. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I really. It's. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember watching it, and it's it's close to a Howard Hawks film that's not by Howard Hawks that we'll ever get, which is a good thing because John Carpenter is a huge Howard Hawks fan, which I'll also get into later. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're CD, we're in that CW town. Yeah. <laughs> Although it, you don't see a lot of it. I like the little glimpses, but it does feel like a very contained story to the people you see. Very, very contained. It's like these 10 people and 15 extras are the extent of this town. Yeah. So maybe a six, maybe killing six people would be really devastating because it's half the population. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you've just killed one third of the town. I hope you enjoyed it. I do <laughs> love when Sylvia is on the thing and she's like, "You might not believe this, but the fog—it was glowing. It's not natural." You just, you just called her Sylvia. Her name is Stevie. Oh my god! I'm sorry. It's I'm. I've had a lot of... It's been kind of a long day, and I don't really know characters' names anymore. <laughs> um, 
Anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. Sil- yes. Sylvia. And I was just like, oh, no glowing fog. Is it natural? Oh, <laughs> what is you wrong with like- Indiana? Um, did I call her? What? Oh, my God. You called her Sylvia again. Oh, my God. Stevie. 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 <laughs> Stevie. Shit's Creek. Stevie. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Should have just called her a real name the whole time. That's so much easier for me. Like, I can remember people's real names better than characters. Adrian Barbaro. Um, yeah. And plus, it's just such a fabulous name. I know. It's fantastic, isn't it? Adrian Barbo. Yeah. If I had that name, I would never go by anything different. I know. What is your... <laughs> Hello, I'm married. Adrian Barbo. <laughs> <laughs> Mom? No. Adrian Barbo. <laughs> Uh, yes but i think we're just close to like nuclear pants or some plants or something because i feel like fog does have a glowy nature sometimes maybe not like a sinister green glow like in this yeah well i think (laughs) fog reflects some light which is why you're not supposed to use your your bright headlights is because it reflects it Mm -hmm. so it's reflecting light that you have um this one the like it's coming in off of the water there should be no light reflected other than moonlight and even then you should just be able to see like like it is glowing like it is like it is clearly like radioactive fog (laughs) or there is something in it And shit's getting serious, and I know I have mentioned this nanny scene a few times, but the fog is headed toward Adrian Barbeau, Stevie? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Adrian Barbeau's Stevie, her house, and her little annoying slash adorable child is there with his old as dirt nanny and she's just screaming all over the radio somebody go help him he's trapped but like the fog's there she's just wanting to send people into the fog for a kid I get maternal instinct it's whatever I mean I don't really get it because I don't have kids and you are you kidding me you are the most maternal person to your cat I've ever seen (laughs) to my cat yeah, different. you Cats would run into the house to save Quentin. One hundred and fifty percent. Don't even. You would have called somebody and been like, yeah. "I would not have been staying there. I would have been like, oh, that's heading toward my house.' I'd been like Cruella driving across." The <laughs> well, but that's what makes it such an important scene later when she's like, "Andy, I'm sorry. I I couldn't come for you. I sorry. I couldn't be there. I had to stay here." And it's because she's the watchman. She's watching where it's going. Like, she's trying to save everyone, not just her son. Because she knows there's something there. Who watches the Watchmen? Uh, I mean, apparently a lot of people, according to HBO statistics. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. yeah. Nanny pisses me off. I get so mad that she opens the door. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it either, but I always take it as, like, you're in a small town. I just don't buy that Jamie Lee Curtis and boyfriend would go help this random kid with everything going on. Like, okay, sure, we can't get through town, but let's go find this child 
and hope we get there in time, even though we might get killed. I could maybe see the boyfriend doing it, but like Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, she's like invested, but how yeah, much but what's would she gonna she do? Get out? To... Is yeah. she gonna get out and walk on the side of the road with the with the fog coming? No, she's gonna she's gonna stick with Nick. Why would you? Oh, not? you're telling me that Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie does not know how to hotwire a car and get the fuck out? <laughs> oh, I don't know about all that, but like, I, I just mean like she. Uh... She clearly is, she's a smart woman. She knows she needs to stick with, like, she, she's she got to stay in a car, like, stay in a moving vehicle, you know? Like, stick with Nick and at least try and, like, outrun it. And, yes, I do think they would go back for him. They'd, that's another thing. Like, he, you have no child you have no problem with like child things, but like a lot of people, especially in this time, like children were the future. Like you would always try <laughs> your best to save a child. Do you have any of your own? Cotto. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I mean, like that's the thing is she's I, she's asking for help, and I do think people would help her. Like. I think there are a lot of people that would have helped her. I just didn't really buy that Jamie Lee and the boyfriend would go. <laughs> like, well, they were already driving, and I I took it as they were just they were the closest. Like, I will say, he just like stops, goes down the road. I do quite enjoy the kill scenes that we get in this movie. They're not mm-hmm. all super repetitive. They're cool. They're spooky. They're not exactly at the moment you're expecting it. Like, you know they're going to get killed, but, like, you'll think somebody's going to come at them from the front and really they'll be, like, behind them and, like, impale them or something. And uh, I really enjoy how they do that. It's just little subversions. You know, it doesn't take a lot to make us happy. Exactly. Well, and that's what makes it such a good ghost story is, like, Carpenter always has... (sighs) Carpenter has always been really good at jump scares. Like... And, and I usually uh, hate jump scares, but when well, when I used like, effectively, yeah, exactly. This is when they're used effectively. Like if you look at, there are some movies where the scare is the like the jump scare is the scare. That's not a scare. Like that's not scary. Like jump scares are, can be great when used effectively, but they, I, I, in this case, I feel John Carpenter builds tension. So, and that's another thing that he's extremely good at. He builds tension through his scenes. Like, he knows exactly what he's framing. He's building up to it. He's building up to it. He's building up to it. Something happens. Oh, that wasn't what we were expecting. Bam. And I, that's what that's what good tension building is. And it's one of the reasons Carpenter is one of the best directors ever, in my opinion. Um, I love. Does he have some stinkers? Yes. <laughs> like well, I mean, who doesn't everybody but, does but like he builds tension so brilliantly like and it's one of the reasons halloween is such an incredible film is because you're watching an entire like the whole movie is a build of tension and tension and <laughs> tension i'm sorry oh, i was just coughed oh sorry um and like and then the release like it's it's just so well done. And that's one of the reasons I, you know, I, I really do love this movie. I think it's so well done. 
You know how recently they've done some movies and then they'll also release like a black and white version? Mm -hmm. When I was watching this, I just kept thinking like, how cool would this be in black and white? Oh, I know they're having so a, scary. I know they're having a 4K version that's coming out or just came out or something. Yeah, it and just came out. I was like, that'd be so cool. Like, obviously, that'd be cool anyway. But if it had just had an option to be like with 4K and good HDR <laughs> and in black and white, it would be so gorgeous and so scary. And oh, the one I just... thing I would request is that they leave um, the ghost of Blake's eyes red. <laughs> That would be oh. <laughs> that would be scary. Uh, see, that is the one thing I didn't love. I didn't love the red eyes. Oh, I, I love was, it. I thought it. I think was a little it's hokey. such a cool. I see that. I do love that one. <laughs> so um, here's. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was gonna say, go ahead and go with yours. So here is where I kind of up until now I've been pretty positive toward the movie. I mean, I've had my little nitpicks, but overall, it was a fun time. I feel like the ending is a little too drawn out. Both times I watched it, I found myself kind of having a hard time paying attention to, like, it was probably literally just the last 15 minutes. But I would find myself being like, oh, I want to check Twitter. I want to see what time it is. And it wasn't they were doing anything long. It just felt um, not to the same level of, like, Night of the Demons. But it felt like it was just drawn out to make it a 90-minute movie. When I think it would have been maybe more successful as an 80-minute movie. And you can go more into the ending if you want. I have random little thoughts here and there in the ending. But, again... I was just more like, oh my god, just get to the credits. We're already at the climax. Get us to the climax. Uh, I don't know oh, how you feel uh, about the ending of this, but... Nope, I like the ending. <laughs> um, I I can see where you're coming from. I do think the stuff with... I think your big thing is you get turned off by the Cobrit, Mrs. Cobrits. You're just like stupid people doing stupid stuff. And then after that is really where the finale really, really starts. And I think you're kind of already like at that point. Um, I don't think it's too drawn out. I think it's a really like the build of tension, like especially because you're watching like um, Mrs. Williams and uh, Sandy, um, Janet Lee and, and, and Nancy Loomis's characters like, she's basically trying to take her home after she finds out her husband is dead and they get caught by the fog and, and the fog is basically cutting the town off. And, you know, Stevie is like, Hey, everyone needs to like get out of the fog. And so they're listening to her. So they're following what she says. And that's what leads them to the church. And I mean, I, the church when they finally are like, well, let's, give the gold back maybe that maybe that'll stop it uh how heavy do you think that solid gold cross would be because i do not think that little old priest could carry that <laughs> hey adrenaline will make you do crazy things and honestly it it'd be heavy but i i think he could do it and he does look like he's struggling with it but i mean even like a gold bar those things are what like 50 pounds <laughs> 
<laughs> and this is like a person-sized solid cold cross. <laughs> it's I not quite that big, but I just I do saw think... it and it made me giggle because I was just thinking, you know, like in Goldfinger or something, you know, where they're just having like a gold bar and people are struggling. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, this is a solid gold cross. Let's just do do do. Yeah, no, I I don't I I think he could do it. He's he also has the power of righteousness on his hands. Um, and also, guilt I say that power, with guilt is a powerful motivator. Exactly, like he's his family caused like his ancestor caused this. Like he's one of the originals. Like he should be paying penance for what. In his opinion, he should be paying penance, and that's another thing I like to say about this is especially with like Patrick, like Father Malone, is like the sins of the father. Like, should children be blamed for the things their parents have done? And I don't think that's true. I I've, I've never believed that. I think everyone is their own person, and everyone deserves their own clean slate. So I I do think that I I understand, but I think I think Father Malone is a drunk. And he's very much a man who's, you know, he seems a little bit wrapped up in his own self-importance. And I think he wants to pay penance for what happened. Well. And, sorry. He is a leader of a religious institution. I'm sure he has things he needs to pay penance for. And I had another question. Why did the ghosties delay his death? Because he gives them the gold. They leave. The time ends. Everything goes away. It seems fine. And even he is like, why didn't they take me? And then it shows up and they kill him. See, I thought that was their bit of torture to him. Because I was just like, sitting there and I was like, even why did they delay his death? Like, for the lulls? <laughs> uh, no, I th honestly, I think it was, I really do think it was just a, like, basically, they did it to get him alone. Like, because he was with everyone else. And I think once they realized who, like, once the ghost knew who he was, he was always it. It was going to be him. And I think they were like, okay, they gave back the gold. You get a little hope saying, like, though it's over, it's over. And it's not. We need one more. And again, I and... really do adore the ghost designs, red eyes notwithstanding. Oh, uh, fun fact for that, if you'd like. Oh, um, sure. So Rob Bottin, who is of special effects wizard, did all almost all of them for the thing and for this one or did a lot for this one as well he's actually the one playing the lead revenant oh fun yeah which i just think is cool <laughs> i love rabbitine yeah i love when they have just like somebody random on the crew play characters like that that don't necessarily need like an actor actor doing it and I just a think that real actress. a real actress. Um, <laughs> ah, <laughs> uh, uh, um, no, I got all distracted. Just, uh, damn it, Nicole Kidman. Why? Why? <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's some final shenanigans, and then we get a Carrie Bradshaw moment. 
Okay, <laughs> you wrote that in our notes. What is the Carrie Bradshaw <laughs> Oh my god. So I think it's Adrian Barbeau is talking on the radio or writing in a journal, but I'm pretty sure it was her character. And it just reminded me of Carrie Bradshaw at the end of an episode. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. So you're talking her like you know when she's talking over the radio, and she's like, "We have to always watch for the fog." Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it could came, come back. It left, uh, yes, and it just reminded me of Carrie Bradshaw at the end of an episode. I just anyway, is it me? Am I the drama? <laughs> Am I yes, the fog? The answer, yeah. The answer to that was always yes. <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw was the worst. Not picking comments. Um. Uh, her and honestly, the only one I could ever stand on the show was Samantha. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so are you a Samantha have... with a Miranda rising? <laughs> oh God, no! I was Samantha with a Charlotte sitting. Uh, but yeah, and that's pretty much the movie. You really think I would be a Miranda? Oh, I said that just to make you mad. I know you can't okay. see <laughs> Did you hear that go? I'm not angry at my voice. <laughs> I was like, I'm Miranda? How dare you? <laughs> uh, I know you don't like The Office, but like, you know that little me where he's like, I'll kill you. Like, yes. that's where I'm at with you on that. Yeah. But yeah, we had the. Basically, we kind of skipped it, but the ghosts attack the town. Uh, the kids, the kid is saved. They're they're all brought there to the to the church. They attack. They get the cross. They take the cross, and then uh, and then the priest is all like, "Why didn't they take me?" And Stevie is also being attacked at this point too on the lighthouse, which uh, is actually, yeah, I love that the scene. Roof of the lighthouse, which is terrifying because if you fall off, you're falling to like your death. Like you're falling off a freaking cliff. <laughs> like, um, but I I do love that scene too because I th- find it so scary. I and thought it uh, was all drawn out too much. Like, I don't know. Well, but the thing is, they need one more. So I think it was. I don't think it's the fact that it's drawn out. The reason it's drawn out is because it's like, which one is it going to be? Like, because uh, I just feel at like this they point, killed somebody really quickly. It was like the ghosts were just taking their sweet ass time. It was just like. Yes, yeah. well, and I think that's—I think I get where you're coming from, but I do think that I they just were. I think it had some pacing issues in the final quarter. It is, and it's not it, like you said. Like I said, this isn't John Carpenter's best movie, but I do think it is. I love that. But I, but I get where you're coming from. I liked it. Um, but yeah. Um, was there anything we really wanted to talk about this movie? Is there anything uh, like but, a yeah, little talk? I think Adrian Barbeau was the standout in the acting department. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I thought I already had kind of mentioned I love seeing Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis act together. It's been at least twice, if not three times. Yeah, I don't know if they actually interacted, but just having them in the same project, you know, that'd be nice to be like, all right, we can hang out with my mom on a movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually I, uh, funny because, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, there's a documentary in this one, and Jamie Lee said she doesn't like working with her mother, 
Like she loves working with her, but she did. She says a lot of the times they consider them a package deal whenever they were doing stuff together. So it'd be like mother daughter. She's like, so we kept getting offers for her for like little things. She's like, if I ever act with my mother, I want it to be like an important project. That's fair. And yeah, because so, they only acted together like two or three times. Like obviously mm -hmm. this, what was it? H <laughs> twenty that I refuse to call that. It's H it's Halloween H two O. Uh, and I feel like there might have been one other thing they acted together in, but I can't think of. Um, I like, I think it does have some decent monologues and like the opening ghost story monologue. Yeah, Fantastic. that's my favorite ghost story yeah. in film. Uh, I love the cinematography. I think Dean Cundy did a fantastic job. I already oh. talked about his great use of shadows and the fog. And I personally. It, it is. Love to get a look at the 4K restoration of this. You'll probably buy it because you're the one who buys all these things. Yeah, um, because I support physical media. <laughs> yeah, I get it on digital because the planet is I, important. <laughs> yeah, really, but I'm not the getting rid of it. important. Uh, I yeah, but... actually enjoyed the score in this movie, and score is uh -oh. not something I usually notice. And oh. thank you for pointing out that it was Carpenter because I was like, no, is this uh, because I can't uh, ever tell no. who does things. There's only one movie I can think of that Carpenter did not do his own score. And that is the thing. Um, Carpenter always does his own um, and he's so brilliant. And this honestly, the fog is one of my favorite of his scores. I think it's so creepy. It's haunting. It's beautiful. Yeah. I and it's one don't notice scores, and I noticed it, which isn't always a good thing. But I was just like, "Oh, this is really good. It's effective." Yeah, um, like it's one of my favorites. It's one I I really do think of when I'm thinking of like ghost story scores. Uh, I but I had some comments you wanted to make about John Carpenter and feminism. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things I really love about John Carpenter is like he incorporates a lot of feminism into his movies. Um, in this one, you have, you know, Adrian Barbeau as Stevie Wayne. And Stevie Wayne is, you know, she's a single mother who, yeah, you know, uh, she, but she's not only maternal, like she's, she's also sexy like she has a sexy voice she's you know but she's also a mother and i, I like the fact that it's it, it's they're not considered two different characters they're both aspects of of a real woman and i really enjoy that fact and like yeah i think that you know like her radio voice is her is her public persona but i really enjoy that and she it, also in the documentary adrian barbeau was talking about how um, when Carpenter, Carpenter writes really strong women and he, she considered uh, Stevie to be like a Hoxian woman. Um, okay, which... I have to ask, what is a Hoxian woman? So, that is not uh, a term I have heard before. Yeah, so it's actually a, John Carpenter is a huge Howard Hawks fan and um, which Assault on Precinct is like his love later to Hawks. <laughs> okay. uh, but, but he, John uh, or Howard Hawks writes like strong, tough talking female characters. 
Um, and I mean, this was back in the 40s, 50s, like okay. back when women weren't really as, you know, big into it. Um, they're basically, it's a lot of witty banter um, and they will kind of do whatever they have to to get what they want, be it personally, sexually, anything like that. Um, good for them. Yeah, I was going to say, a really good description. Like, uh, one of the ones that's considered, like, a defining Hoxian woman is uh, Lauren Bacall in The Big Sleep, or, or in uh, To Have and Have Not, I'm sorry. Oh, Lauren Bacall mm-hmm. is very, uh, she is you a just, strong woman. Just put your lips together and blow. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, so th- I, I just find it fascinating. I And then, of course, Elizabeth, the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis character, um, she's a very sexually liberated woman. And this, yeah, this is after the 70s, but I mean, she has sex with Nick, um, which is on the first, you know, that they just met. But like, yeah, he doesn't even know her name until afterwards. He's like, what's your name? (laughs) And she's unafraid of her sexuality, but I I like the fact that the film doesn't punish her for it, Mm. which I think does feel like a call and response from sex equals death from Halloween. Because in a lot of ways, like Halloween did kind of set up the, oh, if you have sex, you die. Like, if you have sex, you're going to die in a horror movie. And this feels kind of like John Carpenter rewriting his own rules a little bit uh-huh. that he accidentally created. <laughs> yeah. And we've been following for the past 40 some years. Yeah. And he, you know, like she's a sexually liberated woman who doesn't get punished for her liberation. And I like that. I just, I love John Carpenter. I think he's yeah, a fascinating I, I film. Check out more of his stuff because I've only seen a very small amount of his movies. I think this might have been like the third one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, that just hurts my heart. Um, um, we just, we'll just have to name, we'll have to do that. Yeah. We're going to have a John Carpenter that's going to pop up more here because I definitely have a lot I'd want to cover there. Um, but yeah, um, other than that, I've just got a couple fun facts I wanted to give you. Um, the Like I said earlier, much of the film is actually reshoot, reshoots um, because when they cut the original cut, it was very not scary, apparently. Um, and so they redid um, the beginning, the prologue with uh, John Hausman and uh, a couple other scenes to make the film actually scary. Honestly, and, great normally studio reshoots and stuff like ooh, not a good sign but good good choices here uh it might have made the film a little bit more disjointed but if that isn't the indication uh i think they made the right call mm-hmm. and then one thing i also love about carpenter carpenter likes to put his like friends names in movies so a lot of the characters in the movie um have names of people that Carpenter works with. Like uh, Tom Atkins' character of Nick Castle is the guy who played... Nick Castle is the man who played Michael Myers in the original Halloween. Oh, that's cute. And Tommy Wallace, who is the namesake of Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace, who's uh, who works at, worked as an editor with him through the 70s and 80s. Um, he's also a sound designer, I believe. And then Dan O'Bannon is the name of um Carpenter went to film school with him. He is the screenwriter of Alien and 
directed the return of living dead which i'm still gonna make you watch and they I actually did not come together oh we're good we're gonna get to it on the podcast because i think you'll have a blast with it i think it's so much fun <laughs> um i hope so and then Mrs. Kovritz was her Kovritz is the was a producer, I believe, on Someone's Watching Me. There's probably more, but th- those are the ones I really remember. Uh, so what uh, are your final, final thoughts on this movie? And what would you give it on a personal score? Uh, for me, this one's a four. Um, it's probably okay. technically a 3.5. Um, but I have, you know, very happy nostalgic glasses for this one um i think it's really creepy and uh, like i said i'm a huge carpenter fan so i i i love this movie and i love carpenter so i think just watching everything he does is incredible like this movie is shot beautifully like the scares are like the the atmosphere of it is just so creepy it's one of those like Mm. movies where you could feel the atmosphere of it and i I really enjoy that. And I just, I really do. Like, I think this is a great spooky little ghost story. It is. Uh, how about you? First of all, how many times do you think they said the title in this movie, by the way, <laughs> I would love to know. Like I wanted to count, but I was just like, that sounds exhausting, but I feel like it's a lot. They say <laughs> the I know, like it's more than like 15. <laughs> It's more than like fifty, probably. The fog, the I, fog is going left. Yeah, I feel like it maybe could have undergone another edit, knocked a few minutes out. But overall, I, it. I thought it was a fun little ghost story. I love a good little atmospheric ghost story. I have a soft spot for them. Um, I can't believe the sentence is about to come out of my mouth, but Paris Caribbean did it better. But I would a hundred percent. And you you know how I feel about that, but I, I, just, I, I think did it a little bit more effectively and somehow in a PG-13 thing, ugh, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but this must really be how I feel. Um, I gave it a 3.5 and I don't know, will I be scared from midnight to 1am? Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very respectable 3.5 for me. Uh, what was its budget? What did it make? Uh, so its budget was one point one million, and I've seen a couple things on it. Um, I read, uh, I read on the Wikipedia. It's on the Wikipedia. Uh, must be for, true. Yeah. Uh, that it made twenty one point three, but I did read another article that said forty seven point seven. So I don't know which one is it. That might be. So also the 21.3 was domestic. And at the time they didn't really take into account oh, overseas. Yeah. Um, so maybe the 47.7 was, uh, was worldwide. Or just adjusted um, for inflation or something. But either way, yeah. even, even just 1.1 to 21.3, that is a it very, made money. A it, very respectable. Uh, that's 20 times its budget. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, it was a, it it did receive mixed reviews at the time. Although now most reviews, most reviewers, um, are much nicer to it, <laughs> and they, but at the time it did receive very mixed reviews. Speaking of how the people feel about this, what do you think its average letterbox review is? Ooh, this one's hard. Um, I want to put it three one, but it might be two eight. 
Uh, it's actually a three five. Really? That's yeah. I told you it's really getting the good reviews now. Um, yeah, three point five. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, I was worried it was going to be. I still can't believe I know what you did last summer is two point eight. Oh, um, why do you keep reminding me? <laughs> yeah, of it? Because, that's, because that's literally shocking. <laughs> I just can't get over it. Okay, all right. Until we find a movie that is better but rated worse, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm going to bring that up every time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah i think that's a really respectable score i do really i love this movie i think it's really well done and it really is starting to really be considered a classic so uh i'll go over our socials really quick and then we've got a few things that are exciting coming up to talk about and then we will let you know what we're covering next week so if you want to reach us on the socials we're together on Twitter at Triple M Pod with three M's. I am at Just Happy to See You, number two, letter C, letter U. Sean, you're at. Sorry, I yawned. Uh, Smurf013, uh, SM. No, I'm sorry. Smurf. I don't even know. Smurf013, SMURPH013. And we are both on Letterbox. I am at just happy to see you, just like Twitter, number two, letter C, letter U. And, and I am. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. I would love for you to just jump jump in on these so we can just go through. That's what I was trying to do. I'm trying to be on it. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I was yawning, so I couldn't stop. And I am at Murph the Smurf, M U R P H T H E S M U R P H. We are on Instagram as Triple M Pod, Triple Three M's Pod. We have a Facebook page, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies. And if you want to get a hold of us on email, our email is Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies Pod at gmail.com. Coming up, uh, I just did a thing for a podcast called Review It Yourself with another Sean from across the pond. And it should be coming out around the time this comes out. I believe, uh, Defending the Ruins. And we will also, the both of us, be going on it and having a really fun discussion. He's from the UK. He's wonderful. About Diana the Musical. (laughs) 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 I'm so sorry, Sean, but you know that will be a really fun time. It will. I have to rewatch it again. Uh yeah, we haven't we don't have like scheduled scheduled yet. I was just like yeah, I can't this but week. I, but I, I was just <laughs> meaning in general. I have to rewatch that now. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will say I told him I was like I think it'd be really funny if he did this. You could do it with me. You could do it with both of us. You could do it with somebody else. You could do it by yourself. I just think it'd be really entertaining. And he was like, No, I want to do it with you guys. And I'm like, Okay, that would be fun. And I'm I a hundred percent I'm good with that. Um, but also his podcast is cool. You should check it out. Review it yourself. And coming up probably right after this episode gets released in the next couple of days, we have an interview with Heather Wixon coming up, author of Monsters, Makeup, and Effects, volumes one and two. And her volume two book is coming out on the 26th. And we are interviewing her about that. And that will be super cool. Just in time for Halloween. You won't want to miss it. And, and she uh, really does. It's really cool interviews um, from what I've, I've read so far. I'm, I'm almost done with it. I'm almost there. 
Yeah, they're so cool. Like, it's the special features you wish you would get. You know, they didn't even do special features anymore, but just with the special effects artists, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. I cannot wait to talk to her about what it was like talking to these titans of the industry. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. One, one more thing. Yep. So what are we watching next week, Clayton? Well, for our final movie of Spooky Season in October, we're watching Trick or Treat, of course. <laughs> yes, we love Trick or Treat. It is the ultimate Halloween movie. Um, well, I mean, other than, yeah, it is. No, it definitely I is. Watch, I was gonna say I Halloween watch is on every Halloween. I will watch Trick or Treat on Halloween before I will watch Halloween on Halloween. Halloween. Yes. Uh, uh, I watched both on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if I just was like, had to pick one of them for Halloween, a uh, <laughs> little insight into me, if I was going to pick just two movies to watch on Halloween, I would probably pick Lords of Salem and Trick or Treat. Uh, anyway, and please, please, please do not forget to give us a five-star rate, maybe even a rep- maybe even a review if you have the time. It helps so, 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 so much. You wouldn't even believe it. And but... they give us all the warm tinglies. Somebody left yeah. us a review and it made me happy. <laughs> it does. It t- Ooh, where was it? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, didn't we get one on Apple? Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like a more. Oh, a new like, one? A no. One. I was like, oh, do we get another one? No, I don't um... know who left us one on Apple, but thank you. It was really awesome. It was. It was really sweet. But anyway. Until next time. Bye. See you next week. Bye.